0: They shouldn't win the game, they get a point. We, we scored a perfectly good
1: goal, make it 2-0. game's done, done dusted, we win the game. Officials cost us two points today, it's standard.
0: 10 past 10. Most of the children are probably in bed, but the, these, these boys are
1: fucking mentality giants. It's unbelievable.
0: The security, hasn't he the funniest shape? He's a little chunky fella, they'll fight for the a joke, we've gone about far this, far that.
1: Help the officials out, clearly they need help. Clearly, we play in the Premier League. It's Joe. joke, it's a joke.
2: Hello and welcome to this week's Tree of the Back podcast, where Tree becomes two with the absence of Phil Green on this evening show. But nevertheless, we'll power on without his coherent and accurate opinions. And no doubt, Keen will help fill the void. Hello, Keane. <laughs> hey, you, Kevin. That
0: was a uh, fantastic intro. I do keenly feel the sense Ooh. of, uh, oh, I like it, I like it, uh, oh, done. Phil's absence. I can't believe he's actually, he's ditched us for a electric picnic. Like, it's uh, It's you shocking.
2: Know, kids yeah. these days.
0: What a cruel mistress.
2: Um, so if you're listening on SoundCloud and want to subscribe and get a weekly dose of podcasts in your app of choice, you'll find us pretty much everywhere, including Spotify. So please subscribe and keep tabs with us as the season goes on. Later on, the show will be joined by Ronan, Mur- Ronan Murphy of Goal.com to review Ireland's upcoming games with Sir- Switzerland and Bulgaria. And we'll take a look at some of the exciting young talent who will be knocking on the door in the coming months and years. And right now, the future certainly looks bright from an Irish perspective after a few years of doom and gloom. Um, and like myself, you've probably spent your fair share of your working life in office environments where resentment and frustration with your colleagues is more often than not bottled up and it's due and simmer away to an unhealthy mm. level but um, mm-hmm. Sadio Mania has had enough with his particular colleague on Saturday afternoon and blew his lid after Mo Salah oh. failed to lay on the obvious pass for what would likely have been Manny's second goal of the day. Um, so what I want to know is, Keen, are you the Mane or the Salah in these situations? Oh,
0: um, can I sit in defence with this one, Kev, because... To be honest with you, I could see it from both sides. Like I'm being, you know, I'm being kind of like a Democrat with this in terms of like, you can you can see Mane's frustration and you can understand why Salah felt like it was his, you know, it was his shot of goal. Him. What I will say is, though, I've seen this building up for a while. This was happening at the tail end of last season or maybe even going back to the middle of last season where do you know do you remember when like Salah was kind of going he was kind of going through this um little dry spell where he wasn't scoring as as many and he was taking a lot of efforts by himself just to get in the score sheet mm. where you know you'd have like uh, Firmino man Mane sort of better placed and it wasn't kind of bubbling to the like it wasn't really exploding back then because I think, you know, Mane was trying to beat a good teammate in terms of, like, look, you know, get on the score sheet, get your, your mojo back, uh, that sort of thing. Whereas now I think Mane is kind of like, no, look, I've had enough of this, yeah. you know, you're on the goal trail this year, like, you're, you're scoring plenty, like, you know, it's time to kind of lay a few off to me. Um, whereas I think, and, and I do think if you reverse the rules, I think Mane would have passed to Salah. Um, so... Maybe I am kind of like, maybe I am coming down more so on Mane's side mm-hmm. on that. But it is an interesting little kind of tidbit from the, from the game. Because, it you know, it, like it is good to have that sort of, it, it's good to have that competition within the team. But you wonder where that goes to. You know, you wonder where it, it kind of like metamorphs into if, if, if it goes further than that. I'd, like from a Liverpool perspective or a Liverpool fans perspective I'd love to kind of see what you thought
2: um, well the minute that happened straight away you could see the comments and the headlines in terms of oh this is great for yeah, yeah. for competitiveness and this is why Liverpool are are, are, are league contenders and this this is a, this is what it's all about and this is what's going to take them all the way to the end of the year um, but like you say this is this has been bubbling for quite a while because Salah mm. is notoriously greedy And he kind of gets away with it because more often than not, he'll miss four or five chances and he'll score. He'll score that goal, which lifts a huge amount of pressure off him in terms of um, teammates giving out him. Um, And like you said, he had that kind of run there. It was around January, February, and it kind of led up to that long pitch long run he did against Southampton, which broke that duck um, Mm. and won the game there and some of the shots he was taking He was taking pot shots from every sort of angle left foot right yeah, foot yeah
0: remember that game
2: yeah uh, he was taking ridiculous shots against everton um, when uh, it was uh, it was nil all and it looked like you know liverpool were likely to drop some points there and then you kind of have Firmino in the middle who's like the the mediator and i don't know if you saw the like little 5 second clip that um liverpool put up on instagram uh, of the players coming down the tunnel at full time. It was like no. Sala was kind of walking up ahead with a kind of a little smirk on his face. Um, Firmino was in the middle and Mane was behind with a kind of a, a bit of a sulk. And, and Firmino just kind of did this little kind of a, a kind of a cringy kind of a smirking at the camera as if, say, you know, a, a kind of an awkward situation. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is kind of funny. But um, aside from that, I think... First of all, I, I imagine they've made up at this stage, and I don't think Manny or Sella are the type of characters to uh, to hold a grudge in this way. Especially when, at the end of the day, you're getting results. Yeah. Uh, but it has been blowing for a while, and it's kind of you can understand Sella's frustration, and he's probably already looking at the goal-scoring charts and seeing uh, Firmino and um, and Manny is kind of keeping track with him, mm. um, and Firmino. He Salah assisted Firmino's goal, mm. kind of mistakenly because it was a bad touch that led to Firmino to come on and hit it. Um,
0: yeah,
2: and, and I don't know if Salah was going to stop. It looked like he was going to say, "No, this is my point." It wouldn't
0: No, it wouldn't surprise you. I mean, like what it what it does do is it, it it um you know it nearly takes away from the fact. And again, I'd be interested to get Liverpool fans' perspective on it in terms of Firmino. Is Firmino or has Firmino been the star of, of the show this season? I the know they've all. He has. Yeah, yeah. It um, feels like he has. It feels like he's he definitely he's has. Tied the, yeah, it feels like he's tied the whole thing together. Like, I know Mane has scored some important goals and Salah has got some great goals as well. Mm. But like, when you take Firmino out of that lineup, you really do keenly feel his absence.
2: Yeah. You know. I mean, he he's he's the cog that kind of brings it all together, and. Um, I mean, I thought against Arsenal, he was fantastic coming deep, and just his link of play. And in terms of strikers around the league and around probably Europe, in terms of being great at everything, but not particularly excellent at one mm. attribute, he probably has it all. Mm. Um, in the whole encounter, I <laughs> I had to laugh at um, Jordan Henderson because it was many was pointing and shouting at Henderson. Who had just come off as well? I think he had a bit of cramp, yeah. and, and Henderson's face was like, "What do you want me to do about it?" I mean, yeah, yeah. I mentioned Dave. Dave, I'd probably said it to sell, or to to sell in the past. I mean, come on, pass or whatever. He probably doesn't listen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Dude, like, am I, like, think of it like the in another in another way, like. I mean, if this is the sort of actual problem that manifests <laughs> in a team, like how bad do you think that overall problem actually is? Like the fact that they're rowing over who's going to score mm. the goal is just a phenomenal issue to have. Um, and I, I guarantee you, I bet you, like Jurgen Klopp is absolutely loving it. Oh, yes. But it, it, it does make you wonder. You know, it does make you wonder. Like, does does a small little issue like that like does it create a yeah does it manifest Mm. and does it like does it like basically make like a huge like a little small crack does it then widen and widen and widen as as the season goes on because from from you know the outside looking in like Liverpool just don't have any issues Mm. at all at the minute it's like even when Klopp was at was at Dortmund, right, and like that Dortmund side were just phenomenal to watch. They were making European Cup finals and winning Bundesliga's, and 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 then when they weren't winning Bundesliga's, they were challenging um, Bayern. The problem with it was is that the Klopp was 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 basically losing those star players to Bayern, mm-hmm. whereas like Liverpool probably won't lose any of these players, like. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's like the only way to, the only way the only place that like those Liverpool stars are probably going to go to is like a Real or a Barca. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that that's not likely to happen anytime soon because neither of those clubs seem to have absolutely gargantuan money. So it's like where do where does the problem start yeah. to kick in somewhere? Because they have to. It's like an, it's like an actual cycle. It's like it can't be brilliant all the time.
2: Well, this is going to be the third full season of Salah, Mane and Firmino yeah. in a situation where all three have been playing in every single game. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: And yeah. I've started to read kind of some kind of off the cuff suggestions that when do Liverpool and probably Klopp look to see Twenty shake up. things up. I mean yeah. if we go with the same three into year four, possibly without another league title, you're kind of wondering then, you know, if Real or Barcelona don't come knocking, which would make Liverpool's hand uh, a little bit easier to play. But mm. you kind of start looking and thinking, maybe I can freshen things up. We've had four years of, of this of this threesome, and obviously mm. they're unbelievable. But
1: mm.
2: not many clubs, and, and especially over the years, not Liverpool have had such consistency. Mm. Um, and if you have Mane versus Salah, kind of neck and neck in the goal-scoring ranks, and I mean... A lot of clubs have a lot more to worry about than than who's their top scorer. I mean, um,
0: but is that is that where they're going to weaken, though? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that is that where they're going to, you know, they're going to drop off, or is that where they can't improve? Do you know what I mean? Because it's like Liverpool are so potent in attack. Mm. Is it like is it the defense or is it the midfield that's not really helped them win a, a league title? So it's like. You know, it's such a it's such a difficult call to make, and it's like, okay, like let's say hypothetically speaking, Real come in with like 150 million bid for Salah. What age is Salah? 28, 29?
2: He's 27, 28, I think.
0: 27, 28. I mean, like in reality, like this is probably like the most opportune moment mm-hmm. to 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 actually sell him for and make a lot of profit on him. Yeah. Um, so it's. Yeah, it's a really interesting one for for Klopp and I suppose for the club itself. Like, you know, where do you freshen up? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. On the other hand, what are we, three or four games into the season and it's happened in a 3-0 win over Burnley and all the grievances have been aired now at this stage. And you imagine if there's a situation where it's, I don't know, nil all or one all late on in a game where, you know, Salah and Manny know the story, it's like, I need to pass it here. I, I can't be going for glory because we need to get the result. Mm-hmm. So it could be a positive at the end of the day and all the the usual lines about it being, uh, being good. And, and I'm sure Klopp is, he's, he's probably laughing at the reaction to it. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, but I I think,
2: uh, he came out after the game and said, we all like each other. So um, whatever whatever bit of uh relationship Salah and Manny have going on. And in fairness, it doesn't seem to be that close Um, I think Salah and Lovren are are, are kind of the big friends there, and I think Mm. Mane kind of keeps himself more often than not.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah.
2: But uh, it'll probably turn out to be a kind of a good situation in the end.
0: I think so. I think so. At least the season, anyway. Like maybe going forward, who knows?
2: Now, Graham Sunis has been brought up on his criticism of Paul Pogba over the years, and in fairness, some of it has been certainly warranted when it comes to Pogba shying away in games. But after a reasonably decent performance from Moise Kien, you could really see the gears grinding through Sunez's head as he tried to speculate that Kien has arrived with baggage and question marks at Everton, just just 19 years of age and basically suggested that he has off-the-field activities that will negate his football. Um, he asked the panel if Uwe had a buyback clause, to which none of them had an, an iota, um, even though Juventus do have a buyback clause in place. Um it's easy to bash the likes of Sunnis and that kind of category of proper football men on TV for this kind of guff, but surely we can expect better from Sunnis and, and, and Sky Sports here.
0: Yeah, I think you could definitely uh, expect better from Sky Sports in terms of analysis and opinion. Um, it's it's not often that like Sky and and the pundits will kind of stray into talking shite basically Mm. (laughs) um you know to put it in 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 that sort of way but um yeah like it's 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 been happening a while now where 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 soon is kind of really in that sort of you know old man shouting the clouds type sort of scenario like where you're just like he's waxing lyrical on, on basically stuff that he's not fully up on. It's essentially like me coming on to a podcast or a TV show and, and like discussing astrophysics. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I'm probably able to be able to spell it, but like, I, I've, I've absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. And that's, it's kind of, and that's kind of what, what, what Sooners was really doing there um, talking about Keenan. um. so it's like, you know, and again, you don't want to get into, you need to be kind of careful what, what you accuse people of, but, there is definitely a, there's definitely a, a pattern of of heavy criticism that Sunes lies at, at certain footballers' doors. Like the whole sort of and the the one that kind of really strikes. I mean, obviously we know he's got this kind of like weird vendetta against Pogba. And now it's I um, know it's Keane where he's he's accusing Keane of being a bit of a party boy and he's got mm-hmm. an attitude problem, and this is why like Juve wanted rid of him when in reality. Like we all know, well, anybody that, that had read about Kian knew that essentially he had one, le- one year left on his deal at Juve uh, yeah. that's, and that's, and you know, Everton were offering a lot of money and it was a good deal for Juve and obviously they had the buyback clause. So, you know, basically going back to the whole Pogba and, and, and Sunes thing, there was a point Earlier on in the season, or maybe in like the first or second games of the season, where uh, where Sunes is describing um, James Madison, uh, Leicester City's James Madison, and he's basically saying that you know he's talking about how he loves um, he loves a player with a bit of brashness and a bit of like you know I'm the best I you know I've, I've got a bit of swagger. You know, and, do, and all the memes then do the rounds on, on Twitter where it's like, where it's, you know, basically Pogba's face, kind of like rubbing his chin type thing. Mm. And you do have to wonder about that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? You know, especially when there seems to be a pattern forming of him criticizing these type of footballers. Um, but yeah, it was it was very, very odd. And I think was. by all accounts, Keane kind of had a really good game. Um, I know he didn't score. Um, but he was he was the focal point for Everton um, mm. in terms of him scoring three goals.
2: I so mean, yeah, I didn't I wasn't watching it live, so I don't know he, the kind he, of the, the the structure of the conversation that took it to there. But mm. Everton had won, and by all accounts, like you said, Kian played a f- relatively decent game. He didn't score. He's nineteen. It was I don't know was it his first or second start in the Premier League. I mean, when when he first signed a lot of people were kind of wondering about the price tag. And I mean, how often do we say teams kind of criticize teams for underpaying for a player? I mean, yeah. it's got to a stage where you buy a player from Juventus, you should be spending 60 or 70 million for him. I mean, he was one year def- left on his deal and mm-hmm. Everton pounced. Juventus have a buyback clause. I'm sure if it goes well at Everton, they'll probably um, trigger that. And you'd wonder what kind of, what was going on in in Suness's mind, especially after Everton had won. Yeah, to yeah.
0: Lead no, it, do, you,
2: to do you know sort of what it play. strikes
0: me as? It, it strikes me as as Suness doesn't really know all that much about him and he's heard the comparisons about Balotelli and then made his mind up. That's that's with what it feels like to me. You know, he's kind of gone, oh, like he's, he's heard Balotelli and he's like, Balotelli, he's then running through his mind sort of <laughs> Attitude problem, fireworks going off in bathrooms. Why always me? All this sort of stuff, without engaging his brain one bit, and he's just spat out the cliche. And yeah, and, and you know what the worst thing with Nunes is, if he's nailed his colours to the mast like that, especially in the, you can see it with Pogba, mm.
2: he's
0: going to do it with Keane as well. Absolutely. You know Please. he's going to continue this thread, and he he will use. Every, like maybe I'm being unfair, maybe I'm being unfair and maybe he won't, maybe he'll kind of like backtrack and, you know, but like any opportunity that Keane will give him, I think he'll he'll nail him like the way he does with Pogba.
2: It certainly seems like that. Um And with Pogba last year, I mean, he was talking about his haircuts and his kind of swagger on the ball. Um And that kind of was blown back in Tunis's face when Pogba had that spell when Solskjaer first came in. And I remember at the time, um, it was kind of like, not revenge from Pogba's point of view, but there was certainly kind of like a, a statement whereby, you know, he is obviously a fantastic player and he's in, in a far from ideal situation at United. Um, but I mean, after the stuff in Italy over the weekend with Lukaku, I mean, Kane has faced that himself. I mean, he's only 19. He, he's gone through a lot in his career already. Um and you got to give a guy a break in his in his first or second start in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I couldn't agree more.
2: Um, before we move over to Ronan, um, a lot of us witnessed probably one of the most baffling decisions in a long, long time. Even in the new world of VAR, where Villa had a goal chocked off for what seemed like no particular reason, to me at least. Um, mm. What happened there, Keane?
0: Yeah, it was uh, obviously like unless you'd seen it maybe doing... Uh, the interesting thing about this is, Kev. From what I've read, the Premier League have asked Twitter to remove all clips of this, <laughs> which is which is really really weird. Like, you know, I've only seen this this afternoon. Um, but yeah, basically, what happened was it's it's essentially the last phase of the game. Villa one 0 down. Jack Grealish is running in on goal, and um, you know, there's a, there's a bank of players in front of him. He's dribbling kind of through them. He gets a nudge in the back from Wilf- in, in the back from Wilfred Zaha. It's not you know. It's not a rough shove. Mm. It's a, you know. There's contact. But he's he tried to stay
2: like in his feet. Strength.
0: He's tried to stay in his feet. Yeah.
2: He's
0: he's he's kind of he's kind of going down. He's lost his balance a little bit. He's obviously travelling the pace. He's lost his balance a little bit. Gary Cahill then comes in, takes him out. He slides the before he takes him out. He gets the, he gets the ball out to the right. He slides the ball out to the right to Henry Lansbury. Henry Lansbury then strokes it into the corner. Right, it's a goal. Right, basically, Kevin Friend the referee, has stopped the play. Apparently stopped the play. You can see in in stills that he has his whistle in his mouth as Grealish has hit the deck after the Cahill challenge. And um, so essentially, and this is where the, the double frustration comes in, right? Because for me, anyway the double frustration is is that everyone is blaming var for this and i can understand why right i can understand why because it's a clear and, and you know obvious mm-hmm. error and you know var should be able to go back and blah 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 however because friend has blown the whistle for the dive var can't then check under the four parameters of a goal or no right. goal var can't check that right Var can only then check to see if it's a penalty, right, on on Grealish. But because Friend is given the dive, he can't check that either. So essentially, you're left in no man's land, whereby, like, basically, Friend has made an absolutely terrible call, uh, like, uh, just an, an unbelievably awful call, and nobody can do anything about it. And like, and that that again goes back to the point I'm making is that the rules around mm. VAR are just not fit for purpose at the minute. Do you know what I mean? It's not VAR's fault. It's like, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like I feel like you know VAR is an actual human being, <laughs> and people are like, act like are just piling in on this lad yeah. who's just who's just sit there going, look, I can't do anything about this. Yeah. The rules won't let me. Do you know what I mean? But like, Kevin, friend, oh, like was, anybody watching that. It was astonishing. And like yeah. you know, the, the the fact is that like you know, everybody or like ninety five percent of people watching it were like, going, what is happening here?" And like the the really intro- another interesting point about it is that Kevin Friend actually complained that when Paul Lambert was Villa manager, um, a few years ago, he'd made an official complaint to the FA about uh, Kevin Friend uh, during a Villa Chelsea game. Now, that's not to call mm. sort of Friend's integrity into question really it's just it is we, we basically Villa have had previous um, with Friend as a referee so yeah it, it's you know to, to from my point of view VAR was getting unf- unfairly pilloried yeah. but at the same time like Kevin Friend as a referee just made the most unbelievable call <laughs> that you've ever seen you know um, and it's, it's frustrating for Villa because yeah. You know that would have been the last kick of the game. It would have been a point. You know it goes down. You know it's chalked down as a result. And uh, sorry, as a defeat. Jack Grealish has got a yellow card to his name for diving. His first ever yellow card for diving, by the way. Um, And and like how you can call that a dive after like two to three basic sort of like you know like you know there was there was contact. So, I mean, if there's contact, how can it be a dive? Or, I, mean, I, I mean, I know the rule actually does say that if you embellish contact, it can still, yeah. they can still chalk down. But, like, there was two clear... There was a shove and there was a tackle where the, the, the defender didn't get the ball. And you're just like, what is going on here? Like, do you know what I mean?
2: And then there was two, two or three strides from Grealish where you could clearly mm. see that he was trying to stay on his feet. He had yeah. made the pass and then kind of stumbled over with his imbalance. Um, I mean do yeah, you think he,
0: he slid he slid on his knees and hmm. then got up. He didn't even he didn't even ask for a penalty. Do you know what do I mean? You, so it's just baffling like.
2: Do you think Friend knew he'd made a mistake straight away or was he kind of sticking to his guns and and, and thought he'd made no, the right one?
0: From so so um villa goalkeeper um Tom Heaton was interviewed after the game and he was basically said that he said that Friend had told the villa players that he'd seen it clearly and that Grealish dived. So, so he,
2: was I, I, I he, was, he was
0: sticking to his guns. He was sticking to his guns. And even in clips that I've seen afterwards, I think Darren McGallagher, the ex-Premier League referee, was on Sky Sports News. It was funny, actually. It was really, like, if you get the chance, you should you should check out the clip. So Darren McGallagher was basically explaining to him why it was a dive. And the, the Sky Sports, like, presenter is just, like, clearly, like, just... Going, what are you talking about? Like, because <laughs> he's literally like about to pull his hair out. He's like, What are you talking about, man? That the lad doesn't even go down, like, he gets up straight away, barely dies. And he's like, Darren McAllister's like, You know, the way the referees yeah. are, the referees don't want the to be the referees' on union, each other. Mm. yeah. At the referees' union, it's the, the referees' union, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, on a further point, like, what with, with, you don't want to be overturned in referees' decisions all the time. Mm. But until you do, until you do start overturning them, they will continue to make bad mistakes. Because if they are if they are not shown the error of the ways, they will continue to, to make the same mistakes. I mean, it's it's just incredible that like, look, I'm the first one to, to, to say that. Look, with VAR being introduced, there's going to be teething problems, and you know essentially it's going to be a lot of time getting, getting used to this sort of, sort of thing and it's not going to be perfect but if you don't correct errors that are happening and like clear and obvious errors and um, it's not going to get any better and people are just going to get more and more annoyed with it and they're, they're going to have to scrap it eventually or come with new rules so if they make adjustments to it as it's happening it's it, it, you know it, I, I think that's probably the way way to go
1: I tell you, who wrote it. I can remember his name, Rob Little. He did guy He ran away and left his wife for a young. Man. And depends on the quality of the eggs. In the supermarket, you have eggs class one, class two, class three, and some
0: are more expensive than others, and some give you better omelets. So when when the class one eggs. I'm in Waitrose, and you cannot go there. Real Madrid is no Barcelona. Is office small team, have many problems. I want my players play with balls. <laughs>
2: We're on with Ronan Murphy of Goal.com to take a look at the Ireland team ahead of this week's European qualifiers with Switzerland and the follow-up friendly against Bulgaria next Tuesday. How are things, Ronan?
1: No, not too bad. Yourselves? Good, we're good. Um, good.
2: So it's been pretty much a dream start for Mick McCarthy in his second stint in charge of Ireland with 10 points out of a possible 12 thus far in qualifying. Do you expect that good form to continue against the Swiss on Thursday night?
1: Oh, I expected 20 points out of 24. Yeah, yeah, I am a glass glass half full all the time. Anyone who anyone knows me, I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm usually quite negative. But uh, I think maybe the fact that Switzerland have been been performing kind of under par and we've been performing to expectations might give us a chance. And the fact that Shaqiri is, is after putting himself out of the squad is a huge blow to them. So I think maybe the fact that we're home all them things adding up, we could actually get the three points and That would open up a huge kind of lead for us ahead of Switzerland, at least for the battle for second place.
2: It's been a fairly bumpy patch for the, the squad selection with injuries and lack of playing time kind of playing a major role in Mick's mind. Um, probably most interesting is Shane Long finds himself out of favour and wasn't even first in line after the dropout of, of Shawnee McGuire. This week with Luton's James Collins uh, instead of fighting in up front. Um, Collins is 28. He's a decent scoring record at Luton. Um, he's already stuck three goals in the Championship this season, but he's never appeared for the Ireland senior team. Um, is this a question of lack of game time for Long? Ireland's considerably most experienced forward, or do you think he's kind of been phased out in a more permanently?
1: It's probably a bit of both because I suppose we haven't seen the best of him in, in Ireland, Jersey, in recent years and we definitely haven't seen the best of him at club level either and that's kind of indicated by the fact he can hardly get a game or get some minutes for Sir Thompson and he's only really getting rolled off the bench and that's probably not enough of a, of a player of his, his calibre and a player of his age. It's, it's not really enough so it, it's not that surprising that he's called in James Collins because mm. he is maybe a form striker and Mick has harped on since the outset about how he'll only call up players who are playing and I suppose you can't leave out Collins and bring long when one's playing all the time and scoring and the other one's doing next to nothing really
2: That's true and I mean if you look at Collins' scoring record over the past couple of years he's probably very much deserving of a call up when you see other players that have got their chance Um, do you think he'll play at any stage or do you think it'll be kind of McGoldrick leading the line over the two games?
1: I think maybe the second match might offer some sort of opportunity for for some of these newer guys, but I wouldn't expect to see him at all against Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Even maybe if we are 0-0 with five minutes to go, I think maybe Mick could be happy enough to take a point. And he said that mm-hmm. in his press conference on Monday, that if you get him a point now, he'd be happy with it. So I think maybe we're, we might even be going for the 0-0 draw and hoping for the best.
0: Do you mm. think that's good enough yourself, loaning or do you know what I mean? Like, would you
1: be happy with the with the with the, the draw? I w- I probably would be happy with the draw, but I'm not mm. happy with the fact that that's what we're saying going into it. Yeah. Match. I think really you should be saying, well, it's win or bust, and how how much of a difference it can make on the group table after Switzerland losing points, yeah. and uh, how much of a gap it'll open up there. I think Mick should kind of be saying, well, we're going out to win this match. And, that's what we have in our minds, rather than saying, "Well, draw'll be okay." Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of knows the draw'll be okay, but you shouldn't be putting your cards on the table maybe this early and and mm-hmm. showing Switzerland so a land in your hand.
0: Yeah, it was it was interesting to hear him kind of talk about that in terms of, you know, you want you maybe want him to be a bit more bullish and kind of like look and just say, "Look, we're going out to win this game," um, rather than kind of talking about taking the point because I think that. That sort of not that it's negative, but the players kind of maybe feed off a bit more of a bullish, um, and a, a bullish sort of attitude, um, and like if you think about it, with with uh, Stephen Kenny coming in, I mean, does that fundamentally kind of does that sort of like ethos is, is do, you, do you reckon that might be a big shift in ethos once Kenny comes in and takes over McCarthy and goes from the sort of like positive sort of sorry from negative to positive attitude
1: yeah I think maybe Mick is kind of <clears throat> looking at it as the job he has and it's mm. it's a qualification job and it's not a developmental job it's just get the points on the board and mm. do as best as he can and get to, to the European Championships and I suppose he is doing that he's doing exactly what's required of him at the moment mm. and he, he probably will see it the same himself that well sure I'm doing a doing a good enough job why should I lie about it or make it yeah, yeah. was being honest with the, the press and he he's been blunt with me a couple of times, so i I know all about <laughs> it but, but can you go yeah. into it can you go into it more or? about uh, about him pulling me up uh, in, after yeah. after, the, after the last match the, the Gibraltar match and I asked him why he didn't use a third substitute, and he was like, well, I didn't want to. <laughs> and then I kind, of pushed, I kind of pushed him a bit on it. Well, would you not think of freshen up or doing something different for the last few minutes and maybe getting another goal or two? And he was like, well, who would you have changed? <laughs> and then I, I obviously wasn't that prepared. Who would I have changed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe give Josh, Josh Cullen his first cap because that was the kind of talking point going into it because it was Gibraltar. Mm. Will he get a chance and then he'd be tied down and it wouldn't be another race situation. So... I was saying, well, would you not maybe give him a chance and see what international football is like? Test him in this game, and he was saying, well, what if he made a mistake, or uh, what if and you're thinking this against Gibraltar? The yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they scored, uh, they scored kind of a second goal to kill the match off. Anyway, but mm. uh, it was kind of it was kind of standard Mick, just kind of briary, But
2: yeah.
1: he's don't he, don't question he's not, his authority. Yeah, he, it's it, it never feels like a, maybe a personal attack. It's just mm. it's just the way Mick is. I think he can get bought, he can get away with it. Whereas if Martin O'Neill had to say the same thing, people would have been given out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that that might be the first kind of half positive things I'll, I'll ever say about Martin O'Neill. That's, in, <laughs> that, that's, that's the story for day. <laughs> I, was, I
2: was just about to say, is this our equivalent to uh, Martin O'Neill versus Tony who After each game, we've run in um, we've and poking the Yeah. <laughs>
1: I yeah I used to poke Martin a bit as well.
2: Like,
1: <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I don't think he was a, I was his, his uh, a bit he was a big fan of me I should say.
2: Right, right. I, I think he he left out his anger for Tony uh, on mm-hmm. RT. I think Matt Doherty's injury dropout probably saved us from this debate of of Doherty versus Coleman. But uh, I think we'll do it anyway because he's he's probably been Ireland's best performing player from a Premier League perspective over the past year and a bit um, and he's persistently been left out over the captain. Uh, Rodan, do you foresee perhaps another Gibraltar tryout at some stage with Doherty playing further advanced or ever even kind of usurped Coleman at right back? Um, I mean, over the past kind of couple of weeks I've seen a couple of Everton fans possibly suggest that Gibraltar should be given a, a chance at right back for Everton which kind of could trigger a chain of events where Doherty comes in.
1: Yeah, I think maybe a lot does does depend on both players' club form at the moment and whether they're they're starting and Coleman I think he benefits at Everton because he is the captain. Maybe that's mm-hmm. gonna give him the chance to to have a longer rope and maybe p- play for longer when perhaps he might be underperforming or he's under pressure at club level. But uh, Doherty as well, I think Treore has kind of come into the Wolves side and I know he's not a, a defender, he's more a winger and he's playing left wing back but he was excellent again at the weekend and mm. he's just he he just offers something maybe different than Matt, Matt Doherty and he's a, a real attacking threat so I'm I'm not sure Doherty is going to win his place back in the Wolves team which is disappointing for Ireland and disappointing for, for Wolves as well or disappointing for Do- Doherty I should say so mm. I think maybe in future we might actually be having this debate because maybe Doherty isn't going to be playing that mm. as much as he was maybe. last season and Perhaps it would, it'll just be Coleman and that's it. And he will go back to being maybe the, f- the forgotten man. The, the Andy Reid has been left out of the squad. The Wes Hoolan has been left out of the squad. Yeah. Uh, the, the names that uh, we would have qualified for every tournament if these guys were in the team.
0: Ronan, I just wanted to ask you, um, obviously we've kind of discussed Big Mick and the senior side. And, you know, it can always sort of feel a bit a bit same old, same old, um, and has done since Mick's come in. But, you know, obviously we've heard about these prodigious kind of youth talents coming through at under-17, under-19, under-21 level. Um, the names like Para Connolly, Nathan Collins, Gavin Kilkenny. I mean, like, what's your view on, on these guys coming through and, like, how big of an,
1: of an impact can they have? Yeah, I think firstly, it's probably not the end of the world that they're not in the senior squad for the game against Switzerland because maybe to get a more chance to work with Stephen Kenny. And in the long run, that's something that's going to be beneficial for the players and the manager because they'll know each other so well and they'll have all kind of come through as a new dawn in 2020 and it'll be a, a new look Ireland and some of these mm. faces that we saw in the two long tournaments some of the, the, the guys that we've seen in under-21 matches and this under-21 qualifying campaign will be the kind of the new players that, like when Mick first came on the scene himself and he brought in Robbie Keane and <clears throat> Damien Duff, Richard Dunn, players that mm. had come up through Brian Kerr's ranks. So perhaps mm. a, a lot of it would kind of be, well, we hope a lot of it could kind of replicate that and yeah. we have players of that calibre coming up through. But are you, the, the guys that you mentioned it's good to see them kind of playing for Premier League clubs and if they could get maybe minutes in the Premier League, I know Connolly played at the weekend, but we've yet to see mm. Parrott and we've yet to mm. see Clikennie K- kind of make Premier League starts. And It would be great to, if they those guys got a chance at some stage this season rather than just playing in the, the League Cup or the FA Cup. If they do come through and play Premier League matches, it's, it's going to be hugely beneficial for their careers and it's going to be beneficial for Ireland.
0: Yeah, like, you, you come across there as, I mean, I don't want to say, probably pragmatic would be the right word to use in terms of, like, whether these guys actually do come through or is this, like, how excited are you, basically, by by the, the premise of, of this new dawn? Or do you are you kind of, like, a bit sort of like, look, some of these guys aren't going to make it, maybe one or two might, um, and we're still going to be relying on the likes of your Coleman's and your Bradys and, and whatnot?
1: I think maybe we might have four or five guys that'll make it, but mm. maybe expecting everyone to make it is is too much. And at international level, you do need experienced players. And I know Glenn Whelan is always attacked, but for being a mediocre player, but he mm. he's exactly the kind of figure that does what the international manager wants and what his own manager wants. And that's why he's played so many games in his career. So you need you need kind of players who have been there, done that, and maybe that's where the Colemans and and uh, the more senior players Hendrik probably should be taking on some of that role himself he's very inconsistent and maybe Randolph will be some, someone in the dressing room that can they can look to and they can give this experience players who played in European Championships and hopefully next summer's European Championships as well yeah. we need kind of players like that because it is a big step up from some club level like, I know people think that oh, the players in the League of Ireland should be in the Ireland squad but we see how big a step up you, the Europa League and the Champions League is from the League of Ireland or say League 1 or League 2 in England it, it's a huge gap so you, you kind of do need players playing at the highest level club level and if that if we're not getting players in the Premier League perhaps we we do need to call a lot of them from the Championship and, mm. but looking further around the division it's kind of difficult to to I know Collins is in the squad now but it's kind of difficult to, to compare how they might do after playing at, at League 1 Mm. or the League of Ireland and then coming into the Ireland squad it's a big step up so we do need Not, a lot of these players to come through
0: it, like the, a, a good example of, of what you're kind of talking about there is probably Dundalk's Michael Duffy I mean Duffy probably about 12 months 18 months ago was being talked up as as you know an absolute definite um, for the Republic of Ireland squad and obviously he'd changed uh, his his allegiance as such from, from Northern Ireland to the Republic um, and and 12 months on, you know, he's kind of... He's just not in the picture at all. And his performances in in the Champions League and Europa League for Dundalk, obviously this summer, have, have not been good enough. Um, so, you know, there, there is that sort of... There is that huge gap, as, as you talk about. Uh, another guy that we wanted to talk to you about, you've been ahead of the the curve on this from the start, really, um, is Ryan Johansson at Bayern Munich. Can you just tell us a little bit about um Johansson's situation or current situation, and then really like what what style of player and what could he what could he bring to the to the Ireland setup?
1: Yeah, I, I suppose the reason that I'm on the ball with that is because I do a lot of Bundesliga writing for a Goal, mm. and maybe that's my interest apart from from Ireland once. Once Goal Ireland kind of merged into the international edition, there wasn't mm. really much adi- there wasn't really much room for writing about League of Ireland. I don't think I don't think our Nigerian readers really cared all that much about Gundolf <laughs> yeah. versus St. Patch on Friday yeah, 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 like yeah. That, so. <laughs> I can't so believe
0: I, it. I can't believe <laughs> it with the greatest league in the world, but there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so I, I suppose that's where, where my kind of interest in in Johansson kind of maybe closer than some of the other younger players that might be coming up in the Championship or in League 1 or even in League of yeah. Ireland perhaps these days is. But Johansson, he, the paperwork apparently has gone in for him and he's <clears throat> he's trying to change from Luxembourg. He's played underage for Luxembourg. He's played underage for us. He's played underage for Sweden but he's only played competitively underage for, for Luxembourg. So there's a, an issue then when you play for one team to move over to another team you must be entitled. You must have citizenship of of the uh, the country that you wish to switch to you must have had that citizenship when you played your first match for the country you're changing from mm. so the, the it, it's kind of a legal kind of thing he didn't have a passport or anything like that but <clears throat> he would be entitled to citizenship because his mother is Irish has an Irish passport but she was born in London which is also a mm. A, a kind of a, a another turn because if she had been born, say, in in Ireland, he would have automatically been an Irish citizen. But because he wasn't, he should have to apply he'd have to apply for it. Right. But yeah, so what the FIFA probably rejected, but <clears throat> initially but because of previous examples, say Callum Robson switching because he played underage for England, but he wasn't. Mm. I I I'm fairly confident he didn't have an Irish passport or anything like before he he lined out for us. <clears throat> or before he lined out for England even. So I, I think they might just dispute it and say, well, you've set these precedents before and you'll kind of have to let this one go because he's he's entitled to Irish citizenship. He just didn't have it. But it's not like you know, someone moving to Qatar for five years and a Brazilian guy moving out there just to play for Qatar for the World Cup or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. it, there is a genuine connection there. And I think it will be proved it's just going to take a few, a few extra months or... To come true, and maybe there'll be a P- an appeal process.
0: He's obviously, um, you know, he's made a, a sort of a positive impact with the the Byron side, uh, with the Byron senior side in preseason. And um, he made a couple of appearances. I, I seen there at the weekend. I think it was yourself tweeting about it that he'd come on um, late for the Byron reserve or under twenty one side. You know, yeah, he's how a total, good he's can back this-
1: with their under nineteen side?
0: the under 19 side. How good, yeah. like, how good can he be? You know, I mean, what what is he a centre half? Is he a midfielder? He, he's a, he, is he a DM?
1: Yeah, he's kind of a, a mix of both. He can play, and he's a bit of a Cyrus, Cyrus Christie <laughs> as well. <But laughs> right, no, right he, yeah, yeah. yeah he, no, he, <laughs> he, can, he he's usually a midfielder, and he, he had play he played centre back a bit in pre-season mm. for the senior side, but he tends to play in midfield for for the underage side. But I suppose maybe the biggest kind of. Red flag at the moment is the fact that he's back in the under 19s as he, and he's not with the under twenty three the Bayern Munich two side, the, the mm. reserve team who play in the in the third division, the, the which the, they're the only kind of Bundesliga team with the reserve team that are playing at that high level. Usually, they play mm. further mm. down the divisions in Germany. So it, it's kind of that's kind of disappointing that he hasn't made it into that. But I mm. suppose the fact that Niko Kovac taught highly enough of him to include him in the preseason mm. matches and mm. bring him on the tours is kind of a good indication for the long run, but it's unlikely we'll ever see him play for Bayern Munich.
0: Yeah, oh right, okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's unlikely he'll ever play for the senior team. It's it's kind of like when these players come through at top clubs in England, they won't play for the, that top club, but they'll be sold on to a different club. Mm-hmm. If you look at maybe some of the, the big talents that Bayern Munich had have coming through in recent years, none of them kind of have come through. It's not really a club that, that develops all that many players for yeah. the first team. It did. They, yeah, they tend to yeah. sell them on and make a bit of money off them. So to, yeah. one, the, one of the big ones was, was Friedel, who was the left back of Werder Bremen these days, and I think they made mm-hmm. something like eight million on them or something. Mm-hmm. But like a lot, I, it, a lot, of
0: the guys they seem to buy back. So it's like like it was a, um, Sula um, and and Rudy. You think they they let them go at youth level, they went to Hoffenheim and pressed there, and then they kind of bought bought them back.
1: Yeah, they have the money to do it. and They're not going to play, play young guys when they, they're they looking to win the league every year and maybe compete for the Champions League. They're not really going to keep a, a 19 or 20-year-old that much opportunity. Maybe at the end of the season when they've already won the league, you might get a couple of games, but you're not going to be a regular. It's it, it's more so he, or less impossible he, to come through. He's obviously one to watch. Yeah, I'd say I'd say we might see, when he gets a bit older, we might see him mm-hmm. obviously step up to the, the reserve side or else perhaps go out on loan before maybe moving to a, a top flight or a, a second division Bundes, Bundesliga club.
2: Um, Roland, there was a, a report last month that came out about him, um, I think it was in the German media where he had done an interview, suggested that he would said he would love to play for some. Um, do you think there was anything in that or is his allegiance purely with Ireland uh, going forward?
1: I was actually talking to the, the journalist who wrote the article who interviewed him in, the Swedish, in Swedish about that and he was saying that just like the Swedish FA were kind of surprised that oh. according to them they expected him to have switched Ireland and that he was Irish like the Swedish football Association didn't really know anything about and it's only I think he's only kind of hedging his bets in case his paperwork is rejected right. by FIFA. I think that's what it, it seemed to be he seems to be happy enough to, to play for Ireland and that's that's where his focus is, and even his parents have kind of said that. And we say his dad is, is Swedish, but he seems to be also of the opinion that he's going to play for Ireland, whereas it's not like a race situation mm. where one parent maybe is going for one thing and the other for the other thing. I think everyone kind of expects him to play for Ireland as long as the paperwork is approved.
2: I suppose pivoting back to the senior team for a minute um, ahead of Switzerland this uh, Thursday night. The team kind of feels a bit more predictable than usual, I suppose, especially with the absence of Doherty um, and James McCarthy, who was kind of uh, pulled out from injury there. Uh, we'll likely see Richard Keough and Shane Duffy at centre-back and probably McGoldrick up front, um, and possibly Callum Robinson on one side, and you'd probably have McLean on the other. Do you expect any curveballs from Mick, or do you think maybe uh, there could be a change-up?
1: No, I don't expect any curveballs. I expect the team kind of just as you said and maybe Glenn Whelan and McField, the same old faces as we always see not that he, it's probably a huge problem Problem that, that that's the team that Mick likes and they've done a job for him so far so I think he's going to stick with it I wouldn't imagine he'll change much because he is looking for at least a point anyway so I don't, I don't think he'll change too much I would change a couple of things myself but I, I haven't been given the Ireland job, the end, so I, keep t- I keep telling them about my football
2: manager experience. But not There's time yet, Ronan. There's time yet. There's plenty of time. What kind of myself and Keane were, were speaking about it off air is in that um, Howiehan has kind of fell out of favour at Villa, um, and Hendrick has fell out of favour at uh, Burnley as well. They'll both likely still start, but uh, it's definitely kind of a, a worrying point considering how well they had been going for Ireland with uh, with Lane Whelan.
1: Yeah, it is, and uh, I think Horan is kind of suffering from the fact that Villa got promoted. Had to stay in the championship, he'd probably be starting every week in, week out, but they just spent so yeah. much money yeah. on players, and they bought new players for every single position, so it was unlikely that anyone other than Jack Grealish was really going to stay in the team. Uh, how how we miss Jack Grealish, too. He he, he would he would have he <laughs> been, been nice to be in, in midfield, but he probably wouldn't have got a game either. Too great. Yeah,
0: midfield. A midfield of Grealish, uh, a midfield of Grealish, Haurin and Whelan would have been uh, quite nice.
1: Yeah, it would, alright. And uh, yeah, I, I, it is kind of a disappointing point in right? But I suppose if it continues, you might see Haurin or Hendrik if they're not getting games and they want to be in Darlene team, especially when Stephen Kenny comes on, they might leave in January or go on loan or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Ronan, to finish off, um, I, I suppose really we just wanted your predictions on on Switzerland and Bulgaria and what you think.
1: Um, I suppose Switzerland Switzerland will probably be a Norby enough game I know people are talking about how Shakira is a big absence and I said it earlier but they still have a good team they're still a strong team they were in the Nations League semi-finals they're, they're no jokers these guys so I think they will would, they would have enough to get a point against us to get a draw and I think maybe they'll score first and we'll score Shane Duffy will score in the 83rd minute to, to stop all of us <laughs> having a hard second. and then we'll draw 1-1 I think I'll go for that for, for Switzerland. Bulgaria, yeah, I think it doesn't really matter. But I think he might give some of these these young lads maybe a, a cap in the second half. He might get to see Jack Byrne, which would be great, obviously, for League of Ireland. He might get to see him get a run out. He might get to see Colin get a run out. It'd be, be nice maybe to see J- James Collins as well. But mm-hmm. I, I think it doesn't really matter about the result there. And I, I'd say it'll be another draw, but I, I think it's kind of irrelevant <laughs>
2: It'd definitely be good to see um, League of Ireland's viral superstar get a get an all run out there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think maybe going back to what I was saying because I I obviously don't want to be dismissive of, of the League of Ireland, but he uh, Jack Byrne is someone who kind of he did look the part in Europe. Mm. He he mm-hmm. showed that he was able for that level and like some of the docks players a few years ago, but they were never going to get in under maybe Trevor Tony or Neil. They were never going to get a chance. But I think maybe there are players in the League of Ireland. That, that can make the step up and have proven themselves at this higher level and, and Byrne is definitely one of them and he's continuing his form in the League of Ireland and he he's deservedly in the Ireland squad it's not just it's not just mm-hmm. trying to win favour with the League of Ireland fans I think McCarthy has gone and watched them a couple of times and Keane has watched them or yeah Robbie mm-hmm. Keane has watched them so I think I think it'd be nice it'd be a good boost for the League of Ireland and it kind of might spur on some of the, the players who might consider themselves on the fringes too to keep on working and keep the belief in themselves that they can get to Ireland caps and Ireland recognition through the avenues staying and leave Ireland rather than maybe forcing themselves to move England to a club that they mightn't be interested in League 1 or League 2 or something like that
2: Right, I think we we'll leave it there Fingers crossed for uh, three points this Thursday night. Thanks for joining the show, Ronan
1: Thanks a little so Ronan
2: but Thanks to Ronan uh, for joining the show there to talk about Ireland uh, this week um, we had a little bit of a mention of League of Ireland there at the end, and some of the players coming through. Um, but we could have uh, we could have another name to keep out, uh, to keep an eye out for uh, in the next couple of months and years, and that's Richard Allison. And if you haven't heard of Richard Allison, um, he's a kid from Nigeria who sent a tweet, and to Cork City. And I don't know if he's been sending this tweet to every club in the world. He might have done. Cork City replied and said, "If you get fifty thousand retweets, we will bring you over for a trial." Um, He succeeded in that. He's fifty nine thousand retweets right now, Um, and it looks like he's on the way. Cork City have tweeted, saying that uh, they're they're putting arrangements in place to fly him over for a trial. Um, Could this be uh, the next League of Ireland superstar? I mean, we've had a few um, foreign imports over the years.
0: Yeah, I just love that Nigeria Twitter obviously kicked into gear and and, and worked its magic and got him um, and got him the the fifty thousand retweets. Um, You know, so like. It's a bit of an odd one. I was reading that he he loved. Um, he said he loved Conor McGregor, and he googled a lot about him, and obviously found out about Cork City, a club in Ireland, and basically that's how he chose it. So I don't know how Conor McGregor kind of came into things, but <laughs> obviously you know he's uh, he's channeled um, McGregor's love for uh, the secret, you know, and um, basically right, if you actually. see it, you know, so it must have been along those lines, and and he's got his wish. Um, be interesting to see. Uh, uh- you know, basically like what his talent is like. and um, But it would be really funny if he turned out to be like an absolute <laughs> cracker. Like, do you know what I mean? A hidden um, gem. Yeah. A hidden gem. Yeah. A hidden gem in Nigeria. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a bit of an odd one. But fair play to Cork. Fair play to Cork. I mean, like, you, you don't have to follow through with stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. Really, really nice.
2: So remember the name, Richard Ellison. Um, Richard Ellison. Yeah. A, a League of Ireland pitch very, very soon.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah.
2: We we'll leave it there, so for this week, Keen. Um, hopefully, we'll have Phil on next week. On this, uh, he, he he may he might have some other plans. Who knows? Um, Who knows? Start, I'm done with it,
0: Phil, to be honest. It it's it's was keep up absolute,
2: with
0: Phil. Oh, it is, and it was just a pleasure just to do it with you as well, Kev. <laughs> to be quite honest, there's just so it was just a nice flow between us, an energy, you might say.
2: Yeah, that positive vibes. Um, minus.
0: Phil. Positive vibes, yeah. Phil, Phil's always bringing it down, isn't he?
2: <laughs> <laughs> with his, his, his extreme Liverpool bias, I think, I think it was a exactly. break,
0: exactly. Yeah,
2: um, so thanks for listening. Um, if you're not subscribed, like I said, we're on every um podcast app, we're on Spotify. So hit, hit the subscribe button and keep up to date with us for the year. Thanks, Keen. Thanks, Keb. Cheers, man. Peace.